Hi, and welcome to another episode of Let's Unpack That Podcast. I'm Paul, and I am your host of Let's Unpack That, your at one point weekly podcast um, dedicated to unpacking things by a queer millennial through the lens of anxiety and depression. And today, um, we're doing a special episode, sneak peek, no promotion, unpacking our quarantines due to the coronavirus. And I'm here with Erica, who all of you know and love. Hi, thank you so much for joining me. Um, Joining me from a multitude of systems, we're FaceTiming, we're also (laughs) recording on some podcast software right now. Um, And then we have our computers up too, just to make sure this all works. I feel like at this point, we might as well just go live with everyone else on Instagram. Could we? That would be hilarious. The only thing about going live is you see the comments in real time. (laughs) You also see, you see the comments and you also see how many people are watching and you can tell when people drop off. I'm not sure I like that. <laughs> see, why'd you leave? Like the last thing I need is validation that people are not listening to me because I feel that <laughs> constantly every day. <laughs> oh my god. Um. But to kick off this episode, we we wanted to talk about our quarantines, but also talk a little bit about the podcast where I have been. What are what we've been doing since we've been quarantined? Um, what the numbers are in the coronavirus as of today? We're recording this on the last day of March, the thirty first, um, and also how we're handling the virus so far, how much we're drinking, where we are in the world, um, Zoom, text messages, all that stuff. How we're keeping in touch with people, and then also just generally how our anxiety is holding up. So I know people have been asking to the people. <laughs> Five of you have been asking for me to bring back this podcast for a while, and and I've wanted to. Um, it's just not been something that I've been able to prioritize right now. Um, I feel like we were in a really good cadence of episodes every week. Erica, I think you probably did like three or four episodes yeah. with me, um, and um, we've been trying to get the podcast podcast back for a while but i've been going through this battle of like do i need a co-host or do i just need multiple guests like recurring people like you kathleen kara and everything like that like like are we good to just sort of continue with me and then whoever just happens to be available and then this situation fucking happened and now i'm like all right well now i am sitting at home and i do have the time to bring this back because social obligations are down work obligations are down everything outside of work friendship and social obligations are down so um I, I'm excited to bring back Let's Unpack That. And I'm excited to bring it back in a totally different way, recording not in person, yet still equally as drunk. Um, so we're, we're, you know, working through our sort of technical issues. The podcast is probably not going to sound as professional as it does, but um, I'm just excited to be to be back here and recording. Um Erica, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you've been up to since we last heard from you, which I think might have been the last episode, which was about queer media, which was back in November. So, like, where are you? What are you? Who are you? Who are you doing? Um, and then, um, I don't know, just give us, like, a little update on what you're, what you're, what's your, your, your oh, my God, what you're going on, Seven? Yes, what no. the fuck <laughs> am I trying to say? Tell me, what are you doing? <laughs> Um, I am at home in the great state of, I almost said in the great state of San Diego. So clearly I'm doing, (laughs) um, but I'm back home at my parents' house. 
Um, I've been laying back. I am currently in the final stages of becoming a homeowner, which is great. Um, it's not. I hate it, but it's whatever. Um, and yeah. Well, that's really exciting, though. It's even if it's exciting when like the market's okay, but like when the country's in turmoil, it's like wow. I just like invested my whole life savings in something that's literally going to be worth like literally nothing. It's fine. Um, but yeah, I've been working from home in San Diego, um, which has been great. It's nice to see my family. Like this is probably the most time we've spent together since honestly, probably since like either one of my sisters graduated college, not even me. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's been great so far. Uh, No murders yet pending, but overall, I mean, it's good to be home. It's good to be somewhere familiar during a time that's like obviously super unfamiliar. Um, And I'm just glad to be here. I'm doing my thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I remember like seeing on, on Instagram that you were traveling home and I was like, one, I can't believe you're traveling right now, <laughs> like during the midst of all this, but also two, like what drove your decision to, to go home during uh, the, the quarantine? Was it just like, I don't want to be stuck in Philly or I'd rather spend this time with my family or my sisters are going to be home. What was like your decision driver? I think the big thing was my mom was like, just come home. And I'm in a living situation where I'm paying week to week and I love the people that I'm living with. They're literally like cherubs and they have two cats and a dog at Ruben.and.the.gingers on Instagram. But um, Tag him, tag her, tag them. We're inclusive here. Tag all the pets and creatures. But, um, you know, my mom was like, come over. Like, you can save some money. You can be with your family. And I went back and forth. Obviously, the travel piece was questionable. Um, But my sister, who lives in New York, had flown in like a week, no, three days before I decided to. And she's like, Erica, there's literally like 12 people on the plane. So you can very much social distance on the plane. And I came with my Lysol wipes. Like I wiped it down. I had gloves. Um, Full stop, Naomi Campbell. Oh, yes. She literally, I watched that video before we got on the plane. And I'm like, oh, she's in first class. I don't have this much to wipe off. <laughs> if, if if you have not seen the video, listeners TM, please Google <laughs> on your phones right now, Naomi Campbell wipes down airline seat. This was way before coronavirus. This is just the way that she travels. She wipes down the entire seat. She wears a mask. I think she had like goggles on or a hairnet or something. She was full stop protected. And that's like, I thought if I'm going to travel during this time, I am without a doubt going to do it in Naomi Campbell style. So I'm so happy that you did the same thing. (laughs) All hail Queen Naomi. But it's true. I mean, you really have to, and here's my thing. Planes are always dirty. And yes, the coronavirus is an epidemic, but they're also just flus and colds. Like there's always something going around. So like you should probably wipe down the plane to that degree. Like they're genuinely disgusting. I know flight attendants and they're like, you know that the cleaning crew just like vaguely vacuums, right? 
So, <laughs> like, I'm picturing full, full, like, feather duster over the seats. Like, just like, <laughs> tick, 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 tick. <laughs> like, Beauty and the Beast level of Wipetown. You don't get shit. No, it's like when your elementary school janitor is like, oh, I have to clean up this puke. So I'm going <laughs> to clean it up. <laughs> I'm just going to throw sawdust on it. <laughs> I clean it up for another few days after it's absorbed, and then I'll shovel it up into a bucket. <laughs> That's literally how airplanes work. It's disgusting. And I mean, you know. But you made it, people. yeah. Yeah, and I'm here <laughs> and I'm safe. But, you know, it was so eerie because. You know, L.A. is a nightmare 24-7 when it comes to, like, commuting. And the roads were absolutely empty. Like, I'd never... How long did it take... Yeah, how long did it take you to get from San Diego or uh, L.A. to San Diego? Um, I'm going to caveat this, but this is one of the bougiest statements I've ever said. (laughs) 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 But we had to stop at... um, Oh, we're Manhattan Beach, which is like not that far from LAX, because my dad had to charge his Tesla. <laughs> oh, okay. I was gonna, I was gonna counter whatever story you told with the fact that today on a conference call, I said, "Hang on, guys, give me a second. My Roomba's behind me." But that your father charging your Tesla is another level. <laughs> and it's funny because like if you're just sitting in your tesla you can watch netflix like the screen is massive it's literally the size of like a small tv screen and so me and my dad are watching like a netflix documentary on like corrupt rich people and then <laughs> i don't know maybe he came to like a point of realization but he's like uh let's just watch this like indie you know the little like cars the indie yeah. cars. He's like, let's watch this show. And then we're watching it. And my dad's like, you know, I think me and your mom are going to go see a race in Monaco. I was like, oh. <laughs> <Okay>. When <laughs> and where? <laughs> like, 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 I was uh, like, can I come? <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's to say it took about an hour 30 And we actually got rerouted. So they're doing construction on the 405. Um, So we had to take a little detour. But yeah, it was the fastest ride home I've ever had. That's insane. Like, I, I keep thinking about that. And I keep thinking about, like, as awful as this is, you know, there's, there's, as of today, recording this, there's over 180,000 cases um, confirmed in the uh, United States, and there's over 3,700 deaths, which people were saying last night, like, okay, officially the coronavirus situation just killed more people than 9-11, and holy fuck, like, we are so not prepared to deal with something like this, like, how many more are going to happen? Yeah. And I know that those are two totally different circumstances, but I keep thinking about like despite this horror there's so many interesting things that are happening in our society that like 
I know people have been reflecting about it because every time you jump on a call, someone's like, I can't believe I can get groceries delivered. And it's like, no fucking shit. If you were, you know, any type of millennial overburdened with anxiety and uh, daily chores, you would also be getting your groceries delivered for. Uh, and also I should preface that with also disposable income. Um, as a society, we are so not conditioned to deal with things like this, but we've done an incredible job at getting so many people to work from home, so many people to get groceries delivered, kids to get set up, like doing school remote. And, and I'm not saying that those things are not coming without significant mental and physical challenges, strain on parents, strain on children, strain on teachers, strain on everyone. But it's amazing that we were able to do that so quickly and like whether it's you driving 90 minutes from LAX to your home in San Diego or like just being as as interesting as like watching the smog clear over like yeah. different cities at this time it's really incredible like what is happening to our society and I'm I'm not saying that as positive it's just like you have to kind of sit back and look at what's happening and be like there's a lot of really interesting, good things in this, despite like the absolute horrors, you know. And it, and I know we're gonna probably cover some of those horrors today because, like, <laughs> what what type of anxiety related podcast would we be if we didn't talk about the fact that, um, you know, my cousin is being told to put a scarf over his face to go work in a hospital um, <laughs> rather than put on a surgical mask because there are none left, but. I, I just think it's it's interesting to think about like things like that right now, like traffic and pollution and yeah. remote work and remote school and all these things that we've been taught for so long are required by society, but are no longer really required. Like, I don't know. I, I find it really fascinating. I don't know if you've experienced like anything else that sort of like ticked you off in your mind. Yeah ticked that thought process uh, off yeah. in your mind, but I don't know. I've, I've been thinking about it, like, a lot, a lot. I mean, I think the big thing is, like, I hope that this is, a, like, people wake up to the fact that the people who we need the most right now are not being compensated fairly. Like, I know that you don't want to deal with your, like, bad little kids running around, cursing at you, hitting you, hitting each other, but guess who has to deal with that? Teachers. So while you're complaining about, you know, oh, well, you know, little Timmy was being annoying and he wasn't finishing his dinner and he like wanted to play video games too long. Okay, well, little Timmy doesn't want to sit in a classroom all day. So someone has to deal with him times in the way that some schools work, 40 students. Um, yeah, so yeah, like my Catholic school was 28, you know, public schools yeah. are like, 70 you know like at one time <laughs> Them in. but it's true it's like you know we're not compensate compensating our teachers fairly um our sanatorial worker or sanitization workers they're not being compensated fairly either like they come in they do their job and if you have a complaint about it it's because i wouldn't do like i would be miffed if someone said i want you to be on your feet all day running around dealing with messes that no one else wants to deal with. Oh, and we're going to pay you this vaguely livable wage, if even. Um, and, you know, we have nurses, we have first responders, and they grind it out. Like, I used to think that nurses had it made. I was like, 
uh, hmm. three 12 hour shifts. Like I work 12 hours a day all the time. Uh, no, I work like six like days a week. Yeah. Six and a half hours. And then I like gossip for five and a half hours. Like, and I'm sitting there, I'm comfortable, you know, I can eat what I want and there's no stakes to it. Like mm-hmm. the company that I work for will always, they'll always be fine. Um, so it's definitely, we're starting to see, you know, our grocery workers, they're underappreciated and overworked. Um, you have people hoarding, they're trying to, you know, tell grown adults how to not be savages. And again, we're still not compensating them fairly. So it's like, you know, how long are we going to go just kind of turning the eye to the fact that we treat people who we've literally officially deemed essential and we're not treating them like they're essential at all? Mm-hmm. They're, they are the only ones, you know, who are still at work. Like, I I think about, I mean, there's there's so many examples, but, but even today, I, I went into work um, just to pick up a... Um, uh, a wireless laptop and a little lift for like my laptop stand. Um, and it was like, I walked in, there was a security guard, there were posters everywhere about social distancing. And like, I had to scan my badge to even just get into the building. And I look over when I get in and the receptionist is still there. And I was like, we can't as a company, set up some sort of forwarding system so she can answer these calls from home. Mm-hmm. Like, no, of course, no one's coming into the office. The likelihood of her getting infected is low. But I just think about, like, what is deemed essential and what is not. Like, somebody has to be there if somebody breaks in to answer the phones, if the copier breaks, even still that nobody's using it. Like, all of these all of these things that should be so easily managed remotely are also not. And these are the people who like that security guard and that receptionist are interacting every day. And if that, if either of those people are low income people, there's a high chance they're also interacting with other people who do not have the ability to quarantine Mm -hmm. right now because they're also essential. So not only are the people who are essential, whether it's a nurse, a receptionist, a, somebody who works in social services, like a, like a, um, like a caseworker, um, you know, all of these people are, are still out. They're still socializing. They're still like unable because of their jobs to social distance. Now they're infecting each other and they are the most essential people. So what happens if those people start to get sick? I know that's like a massive concern in, in the hospital space right now is that like the only people deemed essential to go into the patient room is that nurse, you know, it is that person who is the, the caretaker, like even the doctor, if the doctor doesn't have to go in, they don't have to actually go in. They can ask the nurse to go in for them. And that's like just fucking scary. Like we're, we're deciding as a society who is expendable and who is not yet also to your point, the economic realization that those people are paid so little because the quote unquote skill or quote unquote value that they bring to the workplace is less than somebody like you or I um, is kind of insane. And in these mm-hmm. moments, like, don't you just think that the mental, the, 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 the mental calmness that I have right now 
because I know I work in health and care, because I know I can work from home, because I know I'm leading a team of people who can also do the same thing, like, I feel so comfortable, like, where mine's like, oh, I, I, maybe my job doesn't need to be 11 hours a day. Maybe it doesn't need to be 10. Maybe I don't need to be putting in these hours because clearly from home, I can just crank out some shit and then be done for the day and like open a beer. That is not the same for these quote unquote essential workers. Like it's, it's really nuts. Like, and I, I, I feel for these people. Like I just saw recently, like the people from Instacart, I think are trying to go on strike because they don't have either benefits or protections or whatever it might be. And they're like, it's Mm -hmm. unsafe for us to go into these grocery stores and you don't pay us enough to pick groceries for these people and then deliver them. So they're coming into contact with people in the store. And then also when they get to people's houses, if it's not contactless delivery. So I'm just like, it's like so many things are blowing my mind, whether it be for positive or for negative or for like comforting or for like um, total fear. And and I feel like, I don't know, I feel like I go on a roller coaster as I just did for the last like, six <laughs> minutes as I was talking. Like, I, I feel like I go on a roller coaster about good things and about bad things. And, and I don't know, you know. I, I don't know where you start. Like, I don't know where you determine like, Oh, we, this is, this is a good topic for a podcast. Let's talk about the positive aspects of what we're seeing in the, in the coronavirus. But so many people are struggling with negative side effects of their mental health right now. Cause they're feeling lost, confused, trapped, alone, can't exercise, can't do their normal things. And it's like, Oh, like we're like, we're just on the precipice of like this thing, most likely from what I've been reading. I don't know. I think the whole whole situation, I mean, I hate to say it, but it, it is partially something that we've needed, right? We, I mean, we had, you know, kindergartners, for lack of a better word, murdered. Um, We've seen, you know, people going to church shot up. We've seen so many horrible things happen, but it's so easy to be like, oh, well, that happened to me and it has, if that happened to them and that wasn't me, like that doesn't, you know, I'm, I work in a building with high security or I live in a nice neighborhood. And so I think people have always found a way to distance themselves from it because it's a physical thing and there's always a way to avoid it, at least in someone's mind. But this is airborne, right? Like they even came out with something Mm -hmm. that like, the virus itself can stay on cardboard for up to three days. So like all your Amazon packages, I'm saying that like I'm high and mighty. I literally just ordered like a whole bunch of stuff from CB2. Oh, I ordered yeast so I could bake because I couldn't find it at the grocery store. You know, I didn't fucking quarantine my package. No. And it's (laughs) like, there's so, this is the one thing where it's a great equalizer. Like someone in the Royal family has it and, you know, by and large, I mean, I'm not going to speak for the Brits as someone who is married to a Brit, but I mean, they were kind of this entity where it was like a whole bunch of money that didn't make sense. Um, as a matter of fact, they thrive off of the work of the people. So it's like, this isn't, and there's other very high level politicians who are getting infected too. Mm -hmm. So there is no amount of money or privilege or, connections or access that keeps you safe from this as a matter of fact I'm sure you know the person who isn't really connected to anyone um and is in a situation where they're not coming into contact with all these people are probably 
better off than the politician who is bragging about shaking hands and kissing babies of corona patients. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think overall, like, yes, it is an equalizer and it'll make people realize, like, we have this one great equalizer and I want you to see where everyone else falls on it. Like Idris Elba was like, yeah, I was like not feeling well. So I got tested and my wife who was completely asymptomatic got tested. Meanwhile, we're hearing about people who are very clearly showing symptoms and they're like, "Mm, but your fever's not high enough. Um, So it's, there's, obviously a lot of privilege that goes into it but also at the end of the day if your body can't handle the virus your body can't handle the virus it's really the factors that go into the treatment that differentiate people so i hope it takes it causes people to look at our healthcare system like wait something's not adding up like if we have i always think of the homeless population right they're not going to go and get themselves tested and some of them like i hate to say it but the physical symptoms of say withdrawal probably match up pretty similarly to that of Mm COVID-19. And so we have this population who kind of by nature of the fact that they're, you know, out in the open, like they're, they have a lot of exposure. There's a lot of chance of spreading it. And what happens if they do go home to a family member? Well, they don't have the needs to take care of themselves, but if we were to address that, we could probably tamper it down a lot more than if we were to say, you know, just kind of ignore them and hope it doesn't spread to the rich folk. Yeah, I, I, you know, I hadn't really thought, um, I feel like I've been a little bit stuck in the weeds and stuck in the numbers of like, who's doing what and who's getting what. And I, I see the stuff that says like, you know, <clears throat> Boris Johnson has the coronavirus, and 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 I don't think about it necessarily in the same way that oh, this is an equalizer. Because sometimes I think you do think about it like oh, it, he does have proper medical care; he'll probably have access to a ventilator. But but you're right. Like I, I where I where I definitely align with you is like the virus does not discriminate, and right. and this is not something that disproportionately affects poor people it, it disproportionately will probably affect people who don't have a lot of money compared to the super rich but but it's not like a normal political issue where it's like the poor are starving the wave the, the wages aren't going up the you know like the standard arguments that you would hear from uh maybe a more socialistic democrat like bernie sanders or, or a, a democrat in general of you're not hearing a lot of people talk about right now at least i feel it's like pull yourself up by your bootstraps like you'll be fine just go out do your thing you're strong like because people are absolutely recognizing that they're not immune to this although 80 percent of people will recover at least those are what the statistics that i read say but you know it seems to vary country by country case by case and and strain by strain but i mean the the overwhelming situation is that people are not stuck I, i or people are not i don't know if stuck's the right word but like people aren't stuck just being like oh well you know, it's not our fault if people can't afford healthcare, but it is collectively our fault if there's not enough beds and not enough nurses and not enough doctors to treat the people 
that have these symptoms and have these illnesses. If there's not enough tests to verify whether somebody has it or not, the fact that people are being told to call their doctors versus just you know, going directly to the CDC seems insane to me. What is a doctor going to say if they can't see you or they can only see you via telehealth? And, and you know, you're saying, I have a fever of this much. I have this system, this symptom and this symptom. All right. So great. Like, I guess you should go to the CDC. But then the CDC says, no, you're not enough. Like what? Like, like it, there, there is that certain area where like you're saying, like a celebrity, like a politician can get access to a test. But on the whole, it does seem like we have been level set as as a group, as humanity, not dissimilar to things like what you were saying, whether it be a terrorist attack, a gun attack, that those hold no like guilty person, poor person, rich person. It's just mm-hmm. the person doing the violence or the virus doing the violence is what people it re- results in like wh- who the victims of this situation are, whatever the situation might be. Right. And that's like fucking terrifying. And I, I hope that that wakes people up and makes people feel like, wow, we probably do need healthcare for everybody. We do need enough beds for a more significant portion of the population than other people. We should not be billing people for illnesses that are entirely unpreventable just like this one you know Mm -hmm. like people incur heavy flu fees every single year (laughs) just because they have to go to the hospital they have to pay for this they have to pay for that they have to like they have to go to their doctor like all of these things people are are responsible for yet they couldn't have done anything to prevent it just like this virus and i hope that the virus is exposing things in our system that are flawed. I know a lot of people are feeling that, but a lot of people are feeling really positive about the way that the government's responding to this. I I, I mean, one, I completely disagree, but two, <laughs> I, 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 I have to say that up front, but you know, two, I, it, it's like, how do you not look at this and see that like as a country, we are so fucked if something like this were to happen every single year. We are so fucked like to put our most vulnerable workers like healthcare healthcare professionals like essential people like d- delivery drivers takeout drivers you know like grocery store clerks uh, social workers all these people like we're just like willing to say oh fuck it we ha- like they have to be the ones that go out like there's no other better situation to deal with this how can you look at our system today and think yeah you know we're probably okay i don't know i i I, I feel like that's a rant, but, but both of our rants are probably us actively processing some of this stuff right now, because I feel like my dialogue around this thing has been limited to either text messages or the start of conference calls at work. Like, mm-hmm. I'm just, how you doing? It's like, well, I'm at home. You know, it, it's like, no shit. Yeah, like, no, no, no fucking shit. Like, we all are. But no uh, your dad, buddy, is literally what you sounded like. The narwhal. Yeah. <laughs> that's so true this whole situation i mean it is every single i mean i'll go back to trying to purchase my house you know over and over Mm -hmm. again it's like these are unprecedented times and they are we haven't seen anything like this um and i cannot remember who it's with i it's i think it's bill gates does a ted talk um, and he talks yes, about yeah, yeah. pandemics, the pattern of it. So I think 
um, there's a Spanish flu in 1918, mm-hmm. and it was either the third, I think it's the third or the seventh cholera outbreak um, in the early 1800s as well. So we're about, I mean, the timing was accurate, but I mean, you look at globalization, right? Like I, there is no, all right, well, we can just stop traveling for this period. Like I obviously did not stop traveling after this was mm-hmm. announced. Mm-hmm. And California had a shelter in place when I was on the plane. Um, so I think it's one of those things where it was all of the wrong factors. And I know back in 2019, I want to say it was like fall 2019, um, there was a kind of like a, a simulation that was done and it was a respiratory airborne illness that stemmed from China. And they did like several, several simulations. And in no simulation did, you know, the United States have the infrastructure, the resources, or mm-hmm. the preset policy for this to, for things to end up, for us to contain it within a certain period, right? So the government did nothing with it. And that's, I'm not like a big government conspiracy theorist. It's not a conspiracy that our government is not here for us. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that just, that's just a fucking fact. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's true. Like, you can't look at this whole situation and be like, yeah, government totally supported us. Mm, but yeah. at that point, you um, literally cannot. Yeah. <laughs> you have to see, you have to take responsibility as an individual. So if no one takes anything from this, and I literally want you to find the timestamp and put it. Is the only comment like do this Beyonce style, where like either her comments are minimal or they don't exist on her posts. But stay home. Like no one is asking you to do anything serious. But stay home. If you need to get your groceries, do it in a safe way that requires minimal contact. If you want to go outside, like I mean, I know I get stir crazy, and I think exercise is still very good for your mental and physical health. I'm going to go on a walk um, probably tomorrow after work, but I'm going to go on a walk alone. Um, You know, the way that I've been experiencing it so far is people, you know, if they see you coming, they'll either cross the street or do something to get out of your way, maintain that six feet. It's not that hard, Um, Mm -hmm. but you don't need to see your friends. Like, you know, Paul and I are FaceTiming right now. Um, Fuck your friends. Yeah, I mean, no. (laughs) (laughs) Been there, done that. Just kidding, I haven't. Oh, God. (laughs) The start of every good gay relationship is, have you fucked or not? Yeah. (laughs) We could never keep this, like, appropriate. It's hilarious. (laughs) As long as your uh, AirPods stay in. I don't need your mom coming after me. Oh, she's not here. She's essential, so she is working. But Love, um, love that. Love that for her. I know. But, um, you know, me and my friends, we played like, there's an app where I guess you can play card games. So we specifically played Cards Against Humanity last night and we did it over Zoom. And I mean, obviously, I think physically being with someone is really important and crucial. But I mean, make it work. Like there are people like your cousin. I have plenty of friends who are nurses and they point blank period are like, yeah, I go to work scared. And 
some people don't have the option of fully isolating themselves. Like it's either you get your roommate sick or you get your parents sick or, you know, you might come into contact with people who are, um, you know, immunocompromised. So it's really hard for the people who are out that are like out there working um, and trying to do the best for us. So just respect them and stay in. Mm-hmm. That's, that's where I think like for people who inherently feel that, you know, they're immune to fucking illness, you have to, which is again, viruses do not discriminate. Um, you have to think of the people in your life who experience exactly some of the things that you were just saying. Um, whether it's, uh, one of your friends who is a nurse or a doctor or somebody who works in the hospital, um, like any of the custodial staff, those people going in and interacting with patients who may be healthy, um, but might not be after they interact with you. I think if you can think about uh, people who are prone to illnesses like diabetes, immunodeficiencies, HIV, which disproportionately affects the black and the gay community. Mm -hmm. Um, You have to be mindful around spending time with people like that. And, and I just think that like, if you're going to be a person who has to go outside or wants to go outside I really would encourage you to think twice, you know, like I, and I, the, what's, what's also sad is I feel like most of the people who fucking listen to this probably are staying inside, you know, but, but share this episode or a news article or anything like the New York times has opened up access to all of their coronavirus related stuff. So it's free for everyone, but you could turn on the news and see it too. share articles with people who you feel are misinformed. Because if you look back at this in six months and see 200,000 people dead, which is what people are predicting, you have to be able to think to yourself as an empathetic person, what could I have done to prevent one death? And that's like a heavy fucking thing to lay on the 10 people who listen to this podcast, but <laughs> you have to think, you have to think that, that you can impact one life, two lives, three lives, just by staying in or educating people around the seriousness of this disease. I've heard so many people be like, well, my parents don't understand how important COVID is, so they're just going to keep going out. And I'm like, well, what news station do they watch? You know, what, where are they getting their information from? Have you talked to them directly about it without arguing? Have you shown examples of people who are similar to them, who have come in contact with the virus, accidentally contracted it, actually accidentally contracted the disease and then ended up passing away. Those little tidbits of information will go a long way if you can just stop one person from going outside because everybody right now is feeling helpless. And just like politics, people don't want to tell people how to vote. People don't want to tell people to like, hey, don't be a fucking dick and go outside. But it's like on us to own the communication down to the people in our own environment, in our own bubble, as much as you can encourage these people to not interact with other people. And maybe we're being overtly or not overtly, but overly cautious, but I would so much rather be overly cautious than look back 
in six months from now when we're in the middle of back to school season and there's all these students who can't go back to school or all mm-hmm. these teachers who can't, there's all these unopened positions, you know, with teachers who couldn't survive the virus and now the school can't hire enough people. Like that is the reality of how politics impacts diseases and impacts the economy. Like just help other people realize the seriousness of this. Cause if we don't, if we don't, we'll find ourselves regretting what we did, regretting what we didn't do. And we'll look back at ourselves with a guilty conscience. And as someone with anxiety, I can't fucking do that. I can't live with that. That's why I'm so annoying on social media. Like, that's why I post so much. That's why I try to encourage people to do so much. Because I can't have a guilty conscience at the end of this. But I, I, I maybe that's me looking selfishly. But I also feel like it's me looking out for other people. So I don't know. Like, I, I, I just think that, like, Yes, let's transition to some of the positive stuff that we've been doing, some of the more fun stuff we've been doing. Let's make some people laugh. Um, but but that is the reality and the seriousness of this situation. As this is coming from two people who are just like you, who are just reading a little bit and having maybe a different reaction than you or the same reaction from you. But let's think about what we can do to change this outcome as Erica finishes her glass of wine. Um. <laughs> I have a little. Mm. Thank you. I'm going to finish it then. Good for you. Cheers. Um, I'm going to plug in a break there real quick. Okay, go for it. Or did you have something you wanted to say? No, go for it. I want to fill up. (laughs) Oh, okay. All right. Uh, So we're going to be back in a second. Uh, We're just going to fill up our drinks, and then we'll get back to recording and unpacking our quarantines. Are you going to fill up? Or were you going to say something about what I said? No, I was going to fill up. Okay. All right. I'll be back in a minute. I think, okay. Could we win an award for this podcast? Maybe. Yes. Okay. All right. I'm going to go. Oh, yeah, it is. Of course it is. <laughs> Fuck. Leave this in. Leave this in. <laughs> All right, everyone, we will be back after this brief break. (laughs) It's the perfect angle for you. Um, For all of you who are listening right now, um, Erica is uh, pretty much vertical, drinking some version of a see-through red. Is it a rosé? It's just not a lot of red. Oh, <laughs> it's just, oh, wow. Oh, my God. That is the tiniest glass of wine I've ever seen in my life. So let me say, my parents you don't... Put that in shot glass. You should have put that in shot glass. So my parents don't drink. So there's like a very limited amount of alcohol in our house. And <laughs> we had like surf and turf for dinner a few nights ago. And I was like, okay, well, like, let me get a cap to go with it. So this is Josh. Um, And this was, like, all that was left. And my mom hates mess. So I was like, whatever, I'll just finish it. It's fine. It looks good. I love um, Josh Cab. I think it's awesome. Like, 
it is a staple go-to. We bought two bottles before this. I mean, they're gone now, but, um, you know, we've, we certainly enjoyed ourselves to the, the bottle of Josh. Um, on that note, so I, I, I would love to share, like, how you're keeping yourself entertained um because there's a lot of people who are struggling from boredom right now there's a lot of people who are struggling from like inactivity um whether it's lack of exercise lack of socialization too much drinking like there's there's a million things and as we were about to hit record uh you were talking about how you feel like you're running out of the internet so i would love to unpack that statement um and to talk about you know your your coping mechanisms, I guess, is, is a fun way to sort of close this out. Yeah, so I have been, I mean, I'm a huge hobby person. I love to cook at Foodie on Point. Plugs. Yeah, I will say, your Instagram's been a little lacking uh, since the virus has started, but I'm just saying that your There's mom or your dad no is way to go. <laughs> There's nowhere to cook. We don't have a kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's um no, it's because my mom cooks so much and she's such a good cook. It's like, why would I embarrass myself? Oh, hundred percent. Same yeah. kitchen as a goddess, but um, I am currently making sourdough because there is no yeast, Paul. <laughs> I get so it. I've been making sourdough, so I'm working on my starter now. Um, gosh, what else? I. I'm going to start making my own tea concoctions. Oh, um, that's, wait, how? So I think what, so what I've really realized is there's so much, like, produce that's still at the grocery stores, at least mine. Um, so I've been buying, like, lemon, ginger, um, and if you just, like, leave it in the oven for about two hours at, like, 200 degrees, it dries out um, to the point where you could use it for tea. Yeah. Wait, that's so, so cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. So it's, and there's like stuff. I was like, wow, that's a long time to leave it in the California sun in uh, April. <laughs> no, it's not even sunny today. <laughs> Oven. <laughs> it's also still March. Uh, true. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, this, this episode's going to get released on April 1st. This is not an April Fool's joke, bitch. Yeah. But we are. <laughs> oh, God. God, I feel like my life from conception to when my mother had to birth me to now has all been an April Fool's joke. You know, my mom went to order a pizza and then she started having contractions. That makes I so know. much sense for you. <laughs> I know. Grace, love. Also, pizza baby. okay, this is like a statement, but also like an insight for uh, people who have listened to this podcast for a long time. Wow, I feel very corporate. Uh, but, but, um, so I am not on anxiety medication anymore. Like, I know that's huge. So I went to Iceland, um, in January and while I was in Iceland, I felt like I have never been more connected to myself, the people around me or the earth around me. And that is such a dramatic statement. So like, I get all the people who just eye rolled to that. But like, <laughs> I, I like okay. Let me describe first. So I, I, I 
<laughs> I started tapering off my anxiety medication as I was getting ready to go to Iceland. Um, number one, because I put on 35 pounds since I started taking this medication and I've never been working out more. So like there is a direct correlation specifically with men and weight gain on specific anxiety medications. And that happened to me. Like I have stretch marks. I've never had stretch marks before. Um, and I, 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 women on that are listening to this podcast are probably like, yeah, fuck you. But like, so (laughs) I, I like, I, I had never experienced that before. And now I have these lines on my body and I was like, okay, I hate this. And then like the second piece of it was, is that it, in many cases, anxiety medication for males like leads to lack of sexual desire. And if any of you have listened to these podcasts before, like that does not work with me, you know? Um, <laughs> I I have always been and probably will always be a person who is intrigued by and wants to participate in the art of sexual intercourse. So not being able to do that, not even physically or mentally being in the mood because of medication I was on was absolutely crippling. So being fat and not wanting to have sex was like two things that I just could not deal with. So before I went to Iceland, I made the decision that I was going to get off of my anxiety medication. And since I've done it, like I have, I've experienced the same like ups and downs of getting off medication. Like, I feel like I'm a little bit past that. Um, But I also feel like overwhelmingly, more empowered to like attack things in life despite the fact that there's a global pandemic going on because this has absolutely shattered my confidence but like I started working out again I'm going to therapy like I'm actively like managing my schedule my calendar my bills a lot of the things that were giving me anxiety I now am forcing myself to be in control of and a lot of that was happening like while I was in Iceland so I feel like in a better place to manage some of the shit that's going on right now because I was so focused on my mental health through recording this podcast, getting off my medication, and now starting this podcast again in a totally different light. Um, So I forget exactly how I was going to connect it back to what everyone uh, uh, was listening to uh, earlier. But I, I just think that like, For me, this time has been a real reflection on things I can do to stay productive. Like, I baked for the first time this past weekend. I made a loaf of bread. I have never done that in my life. I brought this podcast back. Like, I'm super excited and energized about that. I did a couple at-home workouts last week. I couldn't walk afterwards because it had been two full weeks or more. But like, I feel so empowered right now because I've never had so much control over my own schedule. And the reality is we probably will not have this again in our lifetime. When are we ever going to have so much free time unless a global pandemic happens again or society significantly reaches a changing point? So I feel like now, even if you are feeling anxious, now is the time to embrace the fact that you have more freedom than you've ever had. At least for me, that's how I'm, you know, processing and and dealing with it. Because 
it's an awesome fucking feeling like to, to, to be able to put time towards the thing that you've been putting off. Like I was just listening to um, um, uh, like a YouTube series and someone was like, you have that junk drawer right now, clean out that junk drawer because you've been waiting and saying that you're waiting for a rainy day to do it. Mm-hmm. The next two months are your rainy days to get stuff like this done. And I understand it's going to take some, some time to sort of get yourself going. I faced that like on this roller coaster I said I'm on earlier, but like you have the opportunity to, to actually clean out the drunk drawer, to start a passion project you never started before, to start baking. I made the shittiest loaf of bread that had no yeast in it, but I fucking dipped it in olive oil. I put some tomatoes on it and I threw some feta on it and it was awesome. Like, and so I think like, if you like can channel some of the things that you're passionate about right now, you will feel so much better six months from now about like what I did during this outbreak. And I'm not saying you can't take your time to grieve or feel lost. Take that time. You deserve that time. But at some point, get back to it. I'm going to stop sounding like an orange theory coach. And Erica, I'm going to pass it back to you get in that orange zone. <laughs> um. So this is what... You know, I was talking to my therapist and I was like, you know, this is, it's great that I have this time to be at home, but I am such a social being and I'm also someone who thrives off of a, off of a routine. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I have literally not worn a bra in six days, uh, which also means I've not been working out since, but um, mm-hmm. I was talking to my therapist and I was like, okay well, what do I need to do? And she said, well, what to you signals I'm going out? Like I'm going to leave the house because for me, it's not makeup. Like I am not a makeup wearer. Um, and I was like- You are not <laughs> James Charles. <laughs> Hunty. If I was, I would be. <laughs> I'd be too rich to care, but I'm not. But I said, honest to God, it's it's a bra. Like- I, if I wear a bra, it means I'm going to go out in public. It means that people are going to see me. And so she was like, then put on a bra every single day. Like, make yourself feel like you are doing something. Like, you are facing something. This is not just um, another day that you're sitting at home. Which, you know, physically it is. But she's like, you don't need to treat it that way. So if I were to give any advice, it's one, to wear a bra. Uh, <laughs> two watch tiger king because (laughs) (laughs) i like (laughs) i have texted my white friends like yo just finished tiger king are your people good like it's nuts carol like okay everyone's like at Obviously, the thing is, like, Carol Baskin killed her husband. Ha, ha, ha. No, she murdered that man. She's like, oh, well, if you want the tigers to eat him, like, you got to cover him in sardine oil. Like, okay, Carol, thanks for the information. I I cannot disagree with you more. I have also watched Tiger King, and I don't think that Carol killed her husband. Paul, Paul. <laughs> what do you mean? There's literally, first of all, everyone's like, yeah, they haven't found him. And she's like, oh, well, one tiger couldn't eat a whole man. Well, good thing you have like a hundred, sis. No, that motherfucker 
went to Costa Rica and yeah. is living out his best life with his Costa Rican lover. That's what I think. I See, don't I know. That too. Here's my thing. There are a Rich million ways goes- that someone can get on a plane. No, no. Rich guy goes to Costa Rica, right? How many rich white guys are in Costa Rica? Not that many. And rich people stay acting rich. So people in Costa Rica are probably like, would they be like, yeah, that rich guy on the mountain? Someone would know. Like there would be receipts. You know what there's not receipts of? His death, his bones, his body. (laughs) Carol Baskin killed that man. I will bet my salary on it. All I know, all I know about Tiger King is that I wish I had the aura of attractiveness that Joe Exotic has. Because if I could pull dick like that man could, I would have 12 British husbands, not just one. (laughs) Because the men that he pulled into his domain, the WT men that he pulled into his domain, the toothless men he pulled into his domain, why were so many of them so incredibly attractive that it was like, God, Joe Exotic must be exotic in bed because like those men were (laughs) fucking hot and they gave him that good D and I just, I didn't get the part of the documentary where they were like, you know, uh, tigers and, like, big cats just, like, attract big dick. Like, I was like, I don't understand, like, this part of what you're saying to me. Like, <laughs> like, like the animals attract, yeah, big pussy attracts big dick. I don't get it. But, like, what they're saying is, like, it's, like, that there's power in the animals. Like, there's power in power. And owning these animals is such a, like, a thing of power. And I'm like, is this why he was able to get Dylan Passage to suck his penis. Because I am completely, completely mind blown. I highly recommend watching Tiger King. I also highly recommend recommending any show that's not Tiger King. Because (laughs) it, it will send you into this chaotic view of classism and racism and sexism and incest and everything that you never wanted but you always wanted because it is it is a journey you start that first episode and you're like hey people shouldn't own big cats and then by the end of it you're like justice for the murderer like i don't i don't i don't i don't even know like what happened in between all i know is i watched it on saturday and i was smoking my now legal medical marijuana. So, segue, speaking of class and race and all those things, my Yourself. other recommendation, highest on both, but um, my other recommendation is this Spanish movie called The Platform. And oh, oh what's it that? is, oh my God. So, basically, the premise of the movie is there's this whole and you don't really know how many levels there are well the the amount of levels it is is like kind of a surprise that comes up in the movie 
Um, and I think it's symbolic, but that's neither here nor there. But basically, there's a platform and it's full of like food. And it's actually full of, you come to find out that it's like full of this like favorite food of each person who's in this hole. So the platform starts at the top, to level one, oh, and it goes down. And the thing is that, so you could start at level one and then get moved down to level 120. And then you could get moved to level 30. And then you could get moved down to level 180. So like each month you get moved to a different floor. And um, okay. basically it's like, that's your food source. So if all the people within the top, say, 100 floors eat all the food, then you have nothing left. And I don't know. The writer, like, the director caught himself saying it's not a social commentary. I think it's weird. No fucking way is it yeah. not a social commentary, right? But it is. It It so clearly is. And, like, I mean, I think it's interesting that it's Spanish because... Um, the Spaniards were socialists for a long time. Also recommend Pan's Labyrinth BT dubs, um, Ooh, which is which happens in that period. But um, it's like this crazy movie. And it's like, I will say, if you're like kind of sensitive to gore, I don't recommend it. But if you're metal like I am, it's really good. Um, <laughs> if you're metal like you are. <laughs> I also recommend, if you're looking for something light, Sleepover. It is a <laughs> coming of age movie from 2004 <laughs> featuring Alexa Vega, uh, now Alexa Pena Vega. Um, Brie Larson is in it. Um, oh, I watch, I watch anything with Brie Larson. Yeah, so. so it's like a young Brie Larson, like they're middle schoolers in the movie. And, okay, work. Yeah. Yeah, it's. It's like amazing. Just watch it to see what celebrities are in it. Like it's not a good movie, but it'll make I, you feel better. Yeah, and I I don't think that I've found like what is my thing at the moment of like what should I be watching? What should I tell people to watch? Like I feel like everyone knows if they haven't watched Tiger King, watch it. Like I I feel I'm starting like Narcos Mexico cuz like I watched Narcos the first version and now mm -hmm. I'm like now that I have time and my brain's not fully occupied, I can watch something with Spanish subtitles because I'm like, okay, I watched Parasite and, you know, it was like fine for me. So I'm good. Like, so, oh, so good. That's like part of one of my New Year's resolutions is to like watch more classic or nominated movies because I feel That's like I've not done that yet. Um, yeah. But I, I feel like from like an entertainment perspective, like we haven't found it because we've like tapped so much of it out. But I've, I feel like if you have not watched like some of what my staples are, like let's just roll through them. Like The Office, Parks and Recreation. Great. Well, I love Parks at The okay. Office. <laughs> I just, can we, can we kill her? Um, but so <laughs> I'm also recording this on my phone right now and you can only see the top of your head. Good. Wait, are you really? Yeah, my other phone. Uh, my I work literally phone. look. I look like a pile of mashed potatoes, so it's, <laughs> it's fine. fine. I was trying to do something edgy, but like it's not gonna happen because this is a, <laughs> a poorly produced podcast. <laughs> so, um, so 
I feel like if you haven't jumped into some of the staples, The Office, Parks and Recreation, Great British Baking Show, Regular Narcos, Mad Men, there's so many shows out there that like you can jump into now because life has given you this opportunity. Breaking Bad, you know, like I, I, Game of Thrones. All American. Like, I have not, I've not dabbled in that just Watch yet. It. Watch it. Okay. Uh, fire festival um like all of these things that are like love that are like blind. <laughs> love is blind great tv um but like all of these things right now like life has never given you and may not give you this opportunity to do it again so fucking take advantage of it you know like we'll never be at this point again in society where we can literally cut off people from our lives and it's totally fine and just watch whatever we want to watch. So like appreciate this, take this, own this and make something out of it. Yes. Open up a fucking coloring book and start coloring. You know, you don't have to start a podcast. You don't have to start watching TV. You don't have to be the best working from home person ever, but just do something that is authentically you. That is creatively you. Cause that's just so fun. Yes. And I think, I mean, everyone's like, whatever. <laughs> everyone's like, every good gay comes back to drag racing, TikTok, and shaving my head. Like, wait, I actually did download TikTok, like, not to make videos because I don't hate myself and I'm not a teenager, but like, That's TikTok is amazing. I like this is talent, but um, speaking of talents, skills, capabilities, um, yourself, <laughs> me. I have none, but um, I think this is also a time to, like, my thing is, like, do something different. Like, so I've never, I'm not a baker per se, because, bake like, to me, baking is a science, whereas, like, you can mess up cooking, and it's, like, fine. Like, you <laughs> undersalted it. Throw some it. olive oil on it, yeah. Right. Um, but like, so obviously like my sourdough has been a thing and I'm like literally weighing it by grams. Like I feel like a dealer. It's been great. Um, but also like I've been writing a little bit more. Um, I've been reading some new books and if anyone ever wants a book recommendation, like shoot me a message. I will send you thousands for like whatever genre you want. I'm currently at, on at, at Erica underscore Megan. Oh my god, he remembered. Erica with a C M E G A N. Yeah, not <laughs> Megan. Me and Megan Sykes, I know you're listening to this. Okay, get the fuck out. Hashtag T. But um <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, if you're looking for a book to read, I think I'm on book sixty-two at this point. So I've read sixty-two books since the year started. So um I have book recommendations if you're looking for any, but also like, I've been on, like, Bumble BFF and literally just, like, talking to people who live in San Diego because of a very limited group of friends here. Because this is not, you know, it's my home base, but it's also not where I, like, became a real person. Um, it's where I, like, actually, quick sidebar, I think this story is hilarious. So Animal Crossing is huge, right? So, huge. Uh, back in the day when I had my Nintendo DS I invited my crush oh my to gosh. come to my town on Animal Crossing 
No. And I literally sweated through my sheets because I was so nervous that he would think my town was ghetto. And I'm literally giving this kid like... Oh my God. I'm giving him all my bells. I'm giving him furniture. I'm giving him rare bugs. <laughs> Do you like being a masochist? Like what? All for nothing. <laughs> I think I think what you said is like such a good point. Like I feel like if you have the opportunity to like jump into a TV show, a book, a new hobby, you have to take advantage of it. Like I like I mean Shits Creek of, you know, is like one um, you know, like baking is an obvious hobby. It, it seems like a lot of people are doing it. So just get your supplies wherever you don't normally get them. Like, or jump into a movie, become a movie critic, start a blog. Like any little thing, people are craving something dinner, mm-hmm. something dinner, something different on the internet right now. So you might as well like fucking take advantage of it. Like, yeah. learn I don't a little, know. Learn a little, let me learn English first, but learn a new language. I... <laughs> <laughs> I'm joining like a French ha- happy hour tomorrow because mm-hmm. I mean I like I was at a point where I was very good at French and then obviously like life got in the way I somehow for some reason wanted to learn German and so I stepped away from French but I'm like oh well you know like I want to be able to like converse with my billionaire husband in Monte Carlo so um, (laughs) but um you know there's like this group that I'm in and it's like a travel group and one of the girls is like hey I'm hosting this French happy hour and it's literally for anyone who like wants to brush up on their French so like I know Facebook has come out with these ads like oh the kazoo club and we have something for all your interests. If you really do have an interest, like join a Facebook group. Um, anything, anything. Yeah. Yeah. Like the opportunities are literally limitless. People's fathers, grown men are on TikTok. Like you could do it. Join mm-hmm. TikTok. Have you seen those dances? They're hard. Me and my mom tried to learn one and it didn't go. I, I didn't try, but I appreciate, I love the weekend too. So yeah. Just, like, do something, enjoy life, and I think this is really one of the few times where people aren't going to judge you for doing something that's kind of silly because we're just trying to find ways to keep ourselves happy. So if you're happy, you know, dancing and singing at the top of your lungs, like, who knows, maybe your neighbor might join you this time instead of, like, banging on the, like, on the wall next to you. <laughs> Shut the um, fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> also, like, go on a dating app and just like have a conversation. Um, I like, I'm sure I'm a loveless being, so it's like fine, but I'm sure there are plenty of people who are just looking for someone to connect to during this time. So make a connection that way. Connect with old friends. I've talked to people that I haven't talked to in six years. Um, my sister's planning her wedding, so that's been, like, so fun. I'm kidding. She's a supporter, so, like, she'll definitely hear this. (laughs) Yeah, it's just, like, there's, there's so, there's so much. And I'm, 
I'm grateful that we're like coming to a close on things that you can do, things that you can have fun with and and things that make I don't know, distract you from like the terror and fear that's happening outside around you. Like because it what you can create during this time, what you can accomplish like during this time is beautiful. Like you don't you don't have to be somebody who Ah, it's it, it, like you don't want to say it disparagingly, but you don't want to you don't have to be somebody who like their mental health overcomes them so much that you can't do anything. You know, like you don't want to be um, somebody in, in the moment where like you look back and you regret the time that you wasted um, because things are going to come back. Things are going to become normal again like having to do too much that you can't hang out with people your plans being booked for months that's gonna happen again and you can't forget just because you've been overwhelmed during this time that life is going to go back to normal at some point even if that normal looks a little bit different so if you can take advantage of something right now you'll learn so much like and i i I think learning a new language is like a fucking awesome suggestion. Chatting with somebody on a dating app is an awesome suggestion. Also, staying home and looking at just things in your TV, in your bookshelf, in your whatever that you didn't get a chance to do before, like might be something that's awesome. And and I would encourage, you know, anybody who's listening to fucking share this shit with us because like we care and we want to give you advice on it and we want to help you accomplish your goals and we want to help you overcome your mental health during this because there's so much right now that like is going to stop you from doing that. And and if we can be a small part of of how certain people in America respond to you know, an, an outbreak like this, or, you know, we do have listeners in the UK. <laughs> My God, I'm international. Jack's um, parents. <laughs> God, if they ever listened, I think they would recall that visa themselves. Um, <laughs> but, but seriously, there's, there's just, there's, there's so much to do right now. And, and there's so much to have fun with right now. And I hope that, you know, everyone knows that they can have fun with us. Like, so um, please share your ideas for new episodes. Please share your ideas for new topics. Um, Erica may just become, you know, the co-host. She has nothing to do. Um, but, I'm you know, <laughs> but over the next couple of months, you know, you'll, you'll hear from Erica, you'll hear from Kathleen, you'll hear from Kara um, and all these other bitches, you know, with a in their name. And uh, I hope that uh, you guys enjoy this as much as we do. Um, I'm so happy that the podcast is back. I'm so happy that Let's Unpack That is back. Um, I'm so happy that I can unpack things with Erica and the rest of you uh, without the burden of, you know, feeling fat or feeling, you know, sexually unaroused through the anxiety medication that I was on. Um, I'm excited to to see how all of us get through this and hear different tips from all of our listeners TM about how they manage this shit. So Erica, thank you so much for joining. 
uh, it's been awesome. I don't know if you have any other final parting words, but I think this was a great, you know, yeah. episode. A great, a great uh, reboot of everyone's favorite Come anxiety-related podcast. I am the Comeback Corona King. Mm. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> My only last little thing is I know that everyone's talking about these $1,200 checks that are coming from the government. Um, you know, For if you're in a position that if you are in a position of privilege where you're still salaried, you're still making your normal income and it's $1,200 that you don't necessarily need. Um, I really recommend, you know, reinvest it in the community. There are plenty of GoFundMes and, um, you know, things of that sort for, um, local businesses who might not make it through this pandemic. So if, you know, $1,200 check comes in and you think to yourself, well, like, you know, maybe I'll give a couple hundred to Interstate Draft House. I know that their employees are no longer working. Um, I really recommend putting it back into the community because you are fortunately in a position where you can sustain an income and not everyone has that privilege. So do good with your money. Yeah, totally agree. Uh, I, 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 I hope that more people take this time to support small business because they are going to be drastically impacted. You know, that $1,200 check is barely going to cover uh, people's wages that they would have gotten if they were working minimum wage, if it covers it at all. So, um, you know, think about what it would be like if you earned $1,200 a month uh, and that was like top line, you know, of, of what you made. Take that money, invest it, because you probably have better opportunities to use it than anybody else. So, um, thanks. Thanks for listening. Erica, thanks for joining. You're welcome. <laughs> um, this has been uh, the Bring Back episode of Let's Unpack That. Um, I hope you enjoyed the messiness. I hope you enjoyed the different audio quality. I hope you enjoyed listening to this in your home versus on your commute. Um, we are excited just to be here and be doing this um, and providing just a small amount of entertainment in the large amount of hours that you have every day. So if you made it this far, thanks. If you didn't make it this far, fuck you. But uh, <laughs> um, I'm, I'm excited to, to keep doing this right now. So um, we'll be back next week. I don't know what our topic will be or who our guests will be, but just like everything else in the world right now, I promise you I will figure the fuck right out so is that the 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 jargon you want to use that's not the jargon i missed a word i will figure it the fuck out so uh this has been another episode with paul and bourbon um but i'm i'm glad that that erica you could join so um if you need to you know, hear more about us, submit some feedback, tell us you fucking hated this episode. Um, our Instagram no. handle is <laughs> our Instagram handle is at let's unpack that underscore podcast. I'm still trying to buy the let's unpack that pod uh, handle, but these motherfuckers won't stop using it. So um, it's at let's unpack that pod on uh, 
what did I just say? Let's <laughs> let's unpack that podcast. Let's unpack that underscore podcast. Um, and then on Gmail, it's at let's or it's let's unpack that at gmail.com. Oh, oh my god. god. You know how to find us and just fucking find us. So uh we'll be recording another episode for you shortly. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Goodbye. Mm-hmm.